Before I begin, I want to extend a warm welcome to all students. Welcome back from spring break. I hope it was enjoyable and productive, very fruitful and moral. If it wasn't, we have confessions from 11 to 12 every day this week. Feel free to come by. That being said, one of the things that I've noticed a lot with the young people these days, myself included, is that there's this kind of idea floating around that science is superior to religion. I've even met a, as people as young as 14, 12, 14 years old who will come up and tell me that they're not so much religious as they are scientific. They trust the acts of science. They trust its reasonings and its findings and its data, whatever, more than the things of religion. And I think this idea, this mentality can breed a lie, a lie that actually can affect and kind of wound many of us. It's this bad, awful lie that Catholicism is for simple people. Catholicism is for people who don't want to use their reason, don't want to engage their intellect, and don't want to ultimately think for themselves. That's the lie that seems to be circling around. But the truth of the matter is, guys, nobody thinks for himself. Nobody. Every single reason, every single thought that you have is built and used off the building blocks that somebody else gave you and me. All of our thoughts that we initially think come from things that we have been taught. Whether it was from a teacher, whether it was from a mother, whether it was from a father, whether it was from a friend, we needed to be taught the reality around us if we were to ever use that reality in our minds, or even in our day-to-day -day lives. And those things that we were taught, believe it or not, were accepted on faith. I learned that a shoe was a shoe because my mother told me that it was a shoe. I learned that a rock was a rock because my dad pointed at it and said, that's a rock, and I believed him. I learned that the street was a street because my parents said, don't go there, whenever I was young. These things all came from my parents, they came from my teachers, they came from all these people, and I believed them. And I believed them. That's how I lived so much of my life. I trusted those that are around me, and I know that you all did the same. We were all raised this way. We were all dependent upon other people, and we all had faith in other people so that we can begin our reasoning. That's how thinking and, and that's how thinking works so many people believe that reason and faith have nothing to do with each other but the reality is reason is built off of faith if you have faith in nothing then you will never ever be able to figure out anything imagine trying to do a math problem and all you're doing is sitting around thinking about what a two is or what a four is or what a plus sign even equals and having to overanalyze what that even means you'll never get the problem done you just have to assume a 2 is a 2, a plus sign is a plus sign, and an equal sign is an equal sign. So 2 plus 2 equals 4. There, done, finished. But if we psych ourselves out and make ourselves overanalyze everything and not believe what's been given to us already, we will end up stopping dead in our tracks and never ever processing anything. Guys, faith is essential if we're ever going to use our reason for anything. And that can be seen very clearly in today's gospel. In today's gospel, we have a man, Thomas, 
Thomas kind of gets a bad rap as an apostle. He was Thomas the doubter. But let's be honest, most of us would be Thomas if we were apostles. I mean, come on. Somebody come up and telling you that a guy rose from the dead, I too would kind of want to, you know, put my, my finger in his, in his hands and, you know, see, you know, put my hand in his side. That's a bit of a, I like him because he's honest, all right? But the fact of the matter is, is that Thomas shows us two different sides of faith. What Thomas does is he first experiences his friends telling him, telling him that Jesus Christ has risen. In the same way that our parents, our teachers, our friends have told us and taught us things. What Thomas did, though, is that he didn't believe him. He rejected him. He didn't have faith in his friends. And so he said, unless I experience it myself, I'm not going to believe you. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus accommodates about what a very kind God we have. Divine Mercy Sunday. Thank you, Lord. He accommodates. And he comes up to him and he says, let me see your hand. Let me see your fingers. Rub your fingers over, over my nail marks. Put your hand in my side. Experience my resurrection so you might believe. And what does Thomas do? He professes that Jesus Christ is not just some great dude, he's not a nice fellow, but that he is his Lord and his God. The greatest proclamation of any apostle about the divinity of Jesus Christ in all of Scripture. That he's his Lord and his God. And so what Thomas shows us then is that he believed because he saw with his own eyes. And yet Jesus looks at him and says that that is not the best way to believe. Jesus says, you believe because you've seen me. But blessed are those who believe and have not seen. It is as if he is saying, blessed are those who trust the apostles, who trust their friends, who believe that I have risen and do not need to demand proof from me. What we see right here, there are two different types of faith in the world. There's faith in other people, that is faith in our teachers, friends, and everybody else. And there's faith in our experiences. That is what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've touched. And what Thomas shows us is that even God will accommodate faith in our experiences. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's far greater to have faith in other people. For the simple reason of this. You just learn faster. You learn so much faster. You, me, we all just learn so much faster if we just trust the people that are in charge of us. Can you imagine taking a course, any course, and having a cross-check and fact-check every single sentence your professor utters? You won't be able to take three credit hours in college. You'd never graduate. You'd be here all the time, constantly looking over and fact-checking and trying to, get, trying to believe what he's saying and learn for yourself. Versus just accepting what the professor teaches, versus accepting what the teacher teaches, versus accepting what the mother or father teaches. You learn, you and I learn so much faster whenever we have faith in the competent authorities that teach us. And guys, that is not just for religion. That is just as much applies to science. People of science are, can often say, oh, there's no faith involved in this. B.S. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Not true. All right. I don't know. It's 9 o'clock. You know, I'm getting got a little fired up. My bad. All right. Not true. Okay. 
How many of you have seen an atom? I have never. I've never looked at an electron microscope and looked at an atom, but I believe it does exist. <laughs> I do believe, yes. I have faith because some really smart people have told me that atoms actually exist. How many of you guys, I'm talking to my biologists here and anybody who took a basic biology class, have heard of a mitochondria? How many of you have got some show of hands? Great, all right, awesome. <laughs> Crowd participation here, love it. How many of you guys have ever seen one? Sure, we'll get a few hands, but I myself have never seen one. But I can tell you that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. I'm sure everyone else can tell me that too. That's about the only thing any of us ever learn in biology class. The mitochondria is, but I've never seen a mitochondria powerhouse in the cell. I mean, I've never like taken a little microscope. You know, what? you know, I'll be honest. Even if I did take a microscope and look at a micro mitochondria, I probably wouldn't even be able to tell it powerhouse in the cell. I'd just say, oh, that's kind of cool. It's like a little orb thing inside a cell. I wouldn't really recognize it. And that's so many of us. Even people of science are utterly dependent upon their faith, their faith in other people. And yet, what I find so funny is the arrogance that can come about with people who believe in science, include ourselves included, if we fall into that. This idea that science is going to lead the way, that science is going to save us all, that science is infallible. Well, guess what? Ever since my elementary school days, science has had to change. I don't know if you've experienced this, but I learned that T-Rexes walked around on their hind legs in an upright position. National Geographic says otherwise. They are lower and they are more closer to the ground. I know, maybe y'all didn't know that, but now you know it now. Congratulations, you learned something. I also learned in elementary school that the ozone layer above Antarctica is just gonna grow bigger and bigger and bigger and we're all gonna be fluorescent people because the UV rays from the sun is gonna come and turn our skin clear. That's what I heard. Little did I know that Recently, the ozone layer is actually shrinking. I bet y'all didn't know that. Good news, congratulations, science. The ozone layer is shrinking. And so we, actually estimates are like, by like 2025, we won't have a hole in the ozone layer. Pretty exciting. Anyway, nonetheless, that's what I learned. But most importantly, and I think we can all sympathize, I learned in elementary school that Pluto was a planet. I want my money back. I mean, what the heck? Planetoid, what does that even mean? That's science. Science is not infallible. Science stands under reality. Science looks at reality and does the best it can to figure it out, to figure out the material world. But it doesn't have all the answers. It doesn't answer spirituality. It can't answer those things that are unseen. It can't talk about love. It can't talk about faith. It can't talk about hope. Those things are spiritual realities that were formed and made by a spiritual master, by the Lord alone, the one who created reality, the one who stands above it, which shows ultimately that faith in the Catholic Church is superior to science not the other way around, which means that science is not meant to be a master. It's meant to be a slave. 
It's meant to teach us and show us the basic ways to navigate the material world, but it's not meant to govern our spiritual lives. It can't. It can't. We need the church. We need the faith. We need Christ to show us how to live our spiritual lives, how to interact spiritually. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. All right, I get it. But what about those people that come up and say that there's not really a spiritual thing? You're just making that up. What is this spiritual life you're talking about? To which I just want to point out, we have spiritual things all over the place. The thing is that you can't exactly see them, but reality points to them. I'll give you an example. Think about your favorite book. You have it in mind? All right. Do you like the book because it has a nice texture? Probably not. Do you like the book because it has a good smell? You know that new book smell, you know, right out of the box? Mm, love that new book smell. Is that why you like the book? Or do you like the book because the ink color is something else? Maybe it's a picture book. Maybe it's very pretty. Who knows? I like picture books too. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'll admit it. Or do you like the book because of its message? Because the words in the book point to a greater reality, a reality that you can't hold on to but a reality that we can conceive of in our minds because of the symbols of reality, the symbols of our words, the symbols of our vocabulary. That's a slight example of how the spiritual life and the material life interact with one another. We are not merely material things, but there are deeper realities that the world points to, deeper realities governed by God. But there's one other, so that's what, that's what, the, that's how science works. Science looks at the material while the faith looks at the spiritual. And if you and I are really going to grow in the faith, the most productive way to do it is by believing in the church. Believing what the apostles, that is the bishops, teach us. Believing what the priests teach us. Believing what the church has always taught for 2,000 years, infallibly, unneeding to change any doctrine or dogma. That is the fastest, most efficient, beautiful way in which Jesus Christ affirms here in this gospel. But many of us are a little bit curious, I believe. Many of us do kind of want to feel and touch the nail marks on the hands of Christ. To put our hands in the side of Christ. And to which, if that is what you are seeking, look no further than our miracles. My friends, the church is full of miracles. Whether it's the miracles that happen at Lourdes. Lourdes has 70 confirmed miraculous healings. That is, a terminal illness, a person with terminal illness goes into the water, comes out, and after a time the illness is gone, and science can't explain that. That has been confirmed by the Vatican, not once, not twice, but 70 times. Because of the, the healings at Lourdes. Go read about them. Think about them. If that doesn't interest you, think about Our Lady of Guadalupe. Our Lady of Guadalupe is an image that nobody can explain. That, 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 that was we don't even know how it got there. It's on this tilma. A tilma, if, if you, a tilma is made out of grass. It's kind of like a, a, um, it's kind of like a Latin American like apron. And after 20 years, tilmas are generally supposed to decay and rot away. Guys. Our Lady of Guadalupe, that image, which is on the tilma in Mexico City, has been there intact for 500 years. If you take a microscope and go look at the eyes of the Blessed Virgin, 
They did this in the 90s. They discovered that in one eye is Juan Diego revealing the image. And in the other eye are the bishops and his, and his crew looking at Juan Diego revealing the image. This wasn't even discovered until, a few, until 20, or 20 years ago. That is the beauty of miracles within our church. If you want another miracle, look at the Shroud of Turin. The Shroud of Turin has amazing archaeological evidences of a tortured man about Jesus' about Jesus' size because it was Jesus. And one of the greatest reasons why we know that is because nobody has been able to duplicate the Shroud of Turin. Does anybody know why? Because it wasn't made with charcoal. It wasn't made with pencils. It wasn't made with paintbrushes. What you look at whenever you look at the Shroud of Turin is an image of light hitting, the, hitting the, the cloth so hard, so brightly, so boldly that there was a man implanted or inputted. I don't know. How do you say that? But burned into that cloth. That is the Shroud of Turin. And we don't have the technology to reproduce that. The ultraviolet light produced at that moment of the resurrection outdoes anything that we can humanly produce with an ultraviolet light machine. That's just a little bit of our miracles. A little bit of our examples of Christ in heaven interacting, coming down from the spiritual world and interacting with the material world. Showing you and I that if you want to touch the side of Christ, if you want to feel his nail holes, he'll accommodate. He will give us those miracles. And he will show us that he is here. And that he is willing to reach out for us in all of his mercy and all of his love so that we might believe and so that we might save, be saved. So my dear friends, at the end of the day, the point is, don't feel inferior because you're a Catholic. There's nothing inferior about being a Catholic. Because at the end of the day, to be a Catholic is to know our place. It's to know where science fits in. It's to know where our, what, that our life in this world is meant more, for more than just biological reproduction, biological existence, but spreading the kingdom of God. And it means that you and I don't have to do it alone. That we don't have to think for ourselves, but that we can trust. Trust in a church that God gave us so that you and I might be like St. Thomas. Convert to the faith and be able to proclaim loudly and boldly that whenever it comes to Jesus Christ... He is my Lord and my God.